I know your bills haven't come in yet for the month of December, which I know in some cases they're probably a little bit more than you thought they were going to be. But the question is, are you fiscally ready for the new year? Do you know what's going to cost you more or maybe less in 2024? We have someone to help us out with that this morning, actually. It's Daniel Rogozinski, who's a Master of Accounting co-director at the University of Waterloo. Daniel, thank you so much for being here. Good morning, Simi. How are you? I am good, thank you. I'm trying not to think too much about my finances, but you're going to help us with that this morning, right? For sure. Anything you need to know, let's let's try to see if we can uh, get through it. Okay, let's do that. Are there any, any things that are good for us, Daniel, this year, like things that are going to make us uh, save a little bit of money this year that we need to know about? Well, there's a natural process every January 1st. There's a um, CRA, what they do is they have to index our, our tax brackets and our credits and our deductions. So, uh, and what those allow us to do is basically, you know, they're going up by 4.7% on January 1st. So what that means is if you make 4.7% more income this year, you wouldn't have to pay any more tax, theoretically, because, uh, you know, they've adjusted those for inflation. So those, that natural indexation will allow you to kind of go ahead and, and, and earn more money without paying more tax. So that, that's, that's one good thing that you can um, say that's going to be a natural byproduct of the of the tax system in Canada. Other than that, it's a pretty quiet year in terms of um, personal tax changes for for people like you and me. It really isn't sort of a you know major changes, major um, elements of the tax system are changing this year. They did a lot of cleaning up of, of a lot of the rules and and a lot of technical changes and a lot of big company things. But for individuals like you and me, not not a lot of things there. There's a couple of um, negative elements that I'm sure you probably want to ask about at some point yes. in time, but, but uh, you know, let's, let's get to those, but pretty quiet year in terms of the, you know, sort of the benefits, let's say, of, uh, in the tax system. Okay, so the things that we need to know about, I think high on this list has to do with the short-term rental deductions. What's up with this? So if you're, if you're, you know, if you're renting out your place, uh, short-term rental, you know, um, BRB and all those Airbnb and things like that, you have to be aware that if your area, you know, basically has rules against that and you're doing it anyway, um, you know, the federal government's now put in rules that say you can't deduct the expenses related to that property. So now theoretically, you have to report the income, but not the deduction. So that would cost you more tax. Now, now obviously you have to know that you have to report it accordingly, but just, you know, be aware that, you know, if you're, if your municipality or province says you can't, uh, you, you know, you shouldn't be doing these short-term rentals, um, and you do it anyway, or you're doing something sort of quietly under the table, um, you're supposed to report that income on your tax return. That's, you know, you're supposed to report all of your income on your tax return, and you're allowed to normally deduct the related expenses to, you know, have a net number that you pay tax on. But, you know, the problem is the federal government's trying to look at this and say, you know, we, we want to basically have that short-term rental. We want the that out into the, into the uh, you know, the housing market and, uh, you know, promote that people having those long-term housing situations as opposed to these short-term rentals. So they, they introduce these rules that say that uh, you, you can't deduct those expenses. So it's a bit of a penalty if you're doing that uh, against the quote-unquote local rules. Now, I, I think the other thing I would say something important to remember is, um, you know, they, they estimate there's only 20,000 homes that, that this would free up um, long-term housing for. And, you know, we're talking about adding 3.5 million homes necessary in the next 10 years. So, so it's less than 1% um, impact on the housing market in terms of projections for the next 10 years. So I'm not sure it really is going to do much in terms of, quote-unquote, quote unquote, helping us with our, right. you know, our housing crisis and our cost of housing. Okay, so there's that, but the people do need to know about that one. But also, what is with these exemptions for mental health services? Uh, so what happens was is, is 
the HSC in your in your province GST, um, you know that's charged on services, goods and services. And normally, what happens if you went to you know to a mental health professional, psychotherapy, let's say, you would normally have to pay a hundred dollars plus thirteen percent in Ontario, you know five percent GST in, in in British Columbia. And what you would see is basically that 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 would. It, uh, increase your cost. And what the federal government says is, you know, we really, we really want to support mental health. And, 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 you know, I think kudos to them to saying, you know what, you know, if we can make it more affordable, maybe more people can do it. Um, so they've removed the HST on, on that sort of um, service that's provided for people in terms of getting mental health. Now, again, the other problem is, is still, you know, people are waiting 6, 12, 18 months from what I hear in terms of getting, yeah. you know, mental health. You still, you're still stuck with, uh, great, it's cheaper for me, but I can't get anybody to give it to me. So there is a lot of this supply and demand imbalance I like to talk about a lot these days is, is, you know, they're trying to tweak the tax systems, but, you know, there's a lot of other things that need to go on to make it really beneficial to the people who really need these services. So true. Okay, that's important to know about, but also the Canada Pension Plan uh, contribution enhancement. This is going to impact quite a few people. I'm not sure we fully understand what's going on here. Yeah, so that that was something in 2019. The federal government, the provinces, they sat down and said, you know, we want to make sure that you know people when they retire, they can have, you know kind of live with dignity, and and so we need to force them to save for the retirement a little bit more as opposed to you know people doing it on their own. And what they've done is they introduced two enhancements or two increases to the CPP plan. The first one happened in 2019. It's been happening since then every year. Um, you know, about 100 to 150 dollars, depending on the year. Um, we're having to pay more, and our employers are doing that too. So if you're you know, if you're employed, you're basically your your company's doing the same thing. So that's sort of money going into your retirement. And what happened is starting, you know, today or yesterday, sorry, um, they've had a second tier, which is basically, again, for people who are making between 68-ish and $73,000, they're, they're sticking on another 4% increase of that as, as a supplemental enhancement. Um, all this is great in terms of, you know, saving for, you know, your retirement. Now, if you're in retirement now, this doesn't change anything for you. You're going to be basically, um, you know, still getting the same pension system. This is really meant for people who are going to retire 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, which, you know, again, it's great that, you know, we're helping to save for retirement in the future, but it's still going to cost you and me, um, if you're making more than $73,000, um, it's going to cost you about 300 bucks more a year. Um, this year. So that is money coming out of your pocket today that you can't pay for your groceries right. or your, your rent. So it is one of those things, you know, you know, you're, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know, it's great to save for retirement, but you know, you got to live in the here and now. So, you know, it's, it is a, a cost now um, for the future benefit. You know. Okay. That's important to note that when you see those changes on your paycheck, right? When they start coming sure. in in January, uh, yeah. what, what is the alternative minimum tax rate? What does that mean? So when, when you um, are someone who is making, and again, what the government has said is we really want to go after people who are making, you know, the top 1%, and that's that's what this is going to affect, is basically people making more than roughly $173,000 in a year, and they're taking advantage of things like a capital gains exemption or large charitable donations or stock options, all three of which are, you know, politically and, and optically, you read the paper and say, oh, look at these people are making all this money, not paying any tax. So the federal government really doesn't like that. So what they did was they said, we're going to make these changes to the alternative minimum tax and the goal here is to make sure that if you if you make a lot of money and you don't pay any tax the federal government doesn't like that so what they've done is changed the system to make it so it's going to affect way fewer people so only the top one percent but if it, if, it, if these people have these large capital gains when they sell shares or when they have a stock option um, that you know element in terms of you know you exercise your stock options uh, again very few people are affected here um, and what will happen is if you're going to have to pay this extra tax that normally it would you know you take advantage of these deductions in the system, you won't have to pay any tax. But because of this alternative 
minimum tax. It's done in the background on your tax return. Most people use these electronic uh, software now. Right. Um, it's all done in the background. You never see it. But what will happen is it's automatically doing this parallel calculation in the background. And if, if you make more than $173,000, um, it might come back and say, hey, you know what? You might think you're paying no tax, but you're going to have to pay this additional altern- uh, alternative minimum tax this year. Now, the good thing is if it's just a one-time bump in your income because, you, let's say, you know, you're, you sold your rental property or you sold your cottage and you had to pay tax on that, if it's a one-time thing, there is a provision to recover that over the following seven years if you don't have that sort of income again. So there is, it is nice that it's recoverable, but it still is something that you think, you know, hey, I'm taking advantage of um, benefits right. in the system that, that are there, and then I, I get caught with this surprise tax bill. And we just want to be sure that, you know, it's one of those things you just want to be aware of when you're, you know, yes. you're making a, a good chunk of money in a year. You might not be as uh, sort of tax um, tax saving situation as you thought you were. Okay, these are all good. I made notes on all of them. Daniel, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us this well. morning. You're welcome. Have a good morning and you, see you later. You appreciate, I appreciate that. That's Daniel Rogozinski, who's a Master of Accounting co-director at the University of Waterloo, which is some things that you need to flag financially for 2024.